Many soldiers who serve and eventually see combat come home with injuries, both physical and psychological. Steve Nolan is a advocate for veterans who has uh, worked at a clinic dedicating to help our country's soldiers, and he joins us here on this Remembrance Day on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Steve, really appreciate your time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much uh, for jumping on the show. Uh, well, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, good afternoon to all the listeners. First off, uh, can you just kind of take us back to the start for you? Uh, what was the impetus for you becoming an advocate for uh, veterans and uh, being associated with uh, this clinic? Um, I, I myself did uh, 25 years of service and saw most of, um, you know, spent most of my time up in Petawawa. And after releasing, realized that one of the key hurdles for a successful transition um, is gaining access to medical care and medical services. The difficulty, of course, for veterans is that they're not in any way, shape, or form experienced with engaging um, in the provincial health care system, and it's a bit foreign and difficult, whereas throughout their service, they have been, they've received every incentive to not advocate for themselves, and they were sort of told where to go and, and when to be there in terms of um, any medical uh, services they require. That completely changes exactly one day after they are no longer in the forces. And so being part of a clinic that was a one-stop shop that offered wraparound services by service providers that were either veterans themselves, spouses of serving military members, or in some cases both, um, was a, a great enterprise because it brought a lot of all of the things they needed together and especially helped out with the foreign stuff like the administration and the uh, accessing other avenues of healthcare. Yeah, why is that so foreign to soldiers when they return home to uh, engage with our healthcare system in this country? I mean, that's, a, I think, a real eye-opening statement uh, for a lot of us to hear, Steve. Okay, so there, if you think of the military as its own healthcare system, its own provincial healthcare system, soldiers and sailors and air crew uh, don't have uh, OHIP cards. They need to acquire them before they leave the forces so that they can access health care after they get out. Now, uh, the healthcare system has its, own, it has its own setup, and when you visit a doctor's office, it is that way. Uh, the doctor has, doesn't have a lot of time to deal with you, but that's the way the, the healthcare system is set up, and everybody knows that. But if you have somebody who's 45 or 50, um, who may have been medically released because they were injured overseas, um, they're accessing a healthcare system where they may never have made a doctor's appointment for themselves in their lives, or maybe not since they were 18. So that is a pretty steep learning curve of dealing with a new system. And once they do access the system, uh, what is, in your estimation, Steve, the biggest hurdle for so soldiers that are trying to return to civilian life? Um, for those that have uh, medical um, medical issues that are holding them back in one way or another, sometimes those issues can be mobility related. Other times, those can include all the operational stress injuries, including PTSD, and those hurdles make it much harder to re-engage because 
they have to re-engage in all facets, not just, as I said, learning the healthcare system, but they have to re-engage in writing uh, resumes. You're talking about 45, 50-year-old people who've never written a resume, who've gone through a series of jobs, and now are trying to transition in another way. Is it tough for us soldiers to kind of uh, also figure out sort of what's my next act? Uh, what do I do now that I've left the, the military? Is that a tough question for them to answer? It, it, it's very, very tough because um, <laughs> nobody joins the Army for the money. Right, so these are people that are looking for a greater cause. They want to belong to something, and so the, there is there is a bit of identity loss to it when you're leaving, when you're taking off the uniform, and so uh, ex-military have a tendency to reach for those identity type jobs, uh, border services agent, uh, those type things, uh, work in corrections. And a lot of uh, companies have decent programs now for hiring, um, but a lot of companies still have um, maybe, I guess I would say, invisible barriers to vets because vets aren't used to writing resumes. They're not used to the civilian-type jobs, job interview skills. There are those um, invisible barriers. And a lot of um, companies in the United States actually have started to include veterans as a named group in all of their diversity and inclusion messaging. And do we need to do similar here, do you think, Steve? And uh, just a blanket question, uh, are we doing enough? Is our government doing enough? Are we doing enough, in your estimation, as a country for our veterans? We can do better. Um, We can do better with access to health care. We can definitely do better in reducing wait times for approved um, health services for veterans. And we can do so much better um, in hiring veterans. A grit, like, and this is the whole spectrum of veterans: those injured, those not, those left when they're young, those left when they're a little bit older. A huge number of very dedicated, team-oriented, willing to learn individuals who would make a great contribution and a great addition to any. Um, corporate team uh, are not, uh, I guess uh, what I would say is that we aren't utilizing their skills as best as we should. Do they feel, do veterans overall feel as if they're forgotten once they've given their service and they come back and try to reintegrate into a civilian life? Because it's just mind-boggling for me, and I think for, for many others, to feel as if uh, they are forgotten or, or left behind uh, when they've been willing to give, and in some cases have, the, the ultimate sacrifice for this country. Uh, I would say that there's there's two parts to that. Transition is hard. Um, I really didn't think that was true until I went through it. So there is, there is some work, some more work to be done in improving how we transition. And the Canadian Forces is really uh, putting a lot of effort into developing a better transition piece. The forgotten part, I would say that in major cities across this country, um, homeless veterans make up anywhere between 5 and 10% of the homeless population, which is heartbreaking in one way because veterans make up less than 1% of our population. 
Just uh, finally, uh, Steve, uh, I want to ask you, uh, you're an advocate for the Dignified Veteran Assistance Clinic, and I'm struck by the name, particularly the, the first part of that, uh, Dignified. Is part of uh, what the clinic does and what your mission is, is to maintain or restore some dignity to some veterans? Uh, definitely. Uh, it's dealing with veterans, um, helping them find um, clinics and healthcare providers that are interested in understanding of veterans' issues. Steve, I want to thank you uh, for your service, uh, which obviously uh, continues uh, to this day. And thank you so much uh, for your time, and particularly on this uh, day, Remembrance Day. I think it was an important discussion to have, and really appreciate you coming on. Uh, thanks for having me. All right, there goes a Steve Nolan, an advocate uh, for veterans, and works with the Dignified Veteran, uh, Veteran Assistance Clinic.